Hey, America. Start, Start listening, listening now. now. Oh, boy. That was. Oh, that sounds wrong and unbalanced. Mm -hmm. what's, wait, what's wait. On? One, wait. two. Three. Oh, guys, where's Danny? Where? Oh, oh you know what? I, uh, I know. He, uh, we sent him on a scouting mission to check out possible hotels uh, near Malmo. Uh, and oh. I just heard back. Uh, he's saying the uh, best he could find is, oh, uh, Finland. Ah, crap. Well, the good news is we're, we're going to Finland. Well, hey. And welcome to another Finnish episode of 12 Points from America, a Eurovision Song Contest podcast from America, the world's leader in drunk uncles. I'm Eric. I'm Derek. And I'm Samantha. Oh, we don't. Uh, that I, And I'm Danny. That we. It's. It's oh, not the same. It just it doesn't feel right. Yeah, it I mean it we've done we've done three three legged episodes in the past, I know, but <sighs> it's just missing that little bit of Danny Pizzazz. Mm -hmm. No, in in all honesty, he is he is on vacation this week, uh taking a well-earned, well-earned trip out to uh, out to the Allend Islands, actually, the magical place where technically legally it's more Keria, but culturally it's all Lorian. So uh yeah, but he's he's having a good time. He's uh you know kind of touring through southern Scandinavia on his way out there. I think he might be able to see at one point the Malmo Arena in the blurry distance as he takes the train from Copenhagen to Stockholm, and he might be able to see it if the if the weather is just right and he's sitting on the correct side of the train. Here's hoping. But yeah, yeah. Will he will he be able to see Cars Jeans Arena? How good is his vision? Will <laughs> he be able to see into another country? I don't know. I in Copenhagen, I expect you can. Uh, at certain times, can you, or or is it too far? It's a bit too far, no. but it's very yeah. cool. As you cross, as you to the the sort of Odersen Bridge, you know, the sort of over under yeah. bridge tunnel thing, they yes. have you can see the point where technically you switch from Denmark into Sweden. That the uh, the posts on the bridge are painted red and white and red and white and red and white until suddenly they switch to aura, yellow blue yellow blue yellow blue and that's where you know you've swapped into into Sweden. Hmm. It's very. I thought cool. you were going to be like you can tell you've changed because. It changes from black and white to color. Anyway, so Sam much. hit him with the with the socials. I'm gonna. Oh yeah, oh yeah, uh, yeah. You can find us on all of the standard social media outlets: Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Threads. I'm still gonna call it Twitter, whether <clears throat> people like it or not. Uh, Instagram, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, at twenty two points USA. Just email us directly at twelve points from America at gmail.com. Find us on YouTube as well, where we have content over there. Feel free to buy some of our fabulous merchandise over on our Redbubble page, or you could also support us directly on Patreon. Whether you support us financially or not, we adore you either way. But Patreon supporters get exclusive content and early access to episodes. Uh, shout out to our newest patron. Welcome to the family, Liv McDonald. Thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. And if you want a fancy pants shout out like this, you can also hop on Patreon. Yeah. And you might also be listening to us via our friends over at Switch Radio Europe Calling this week. And if you are, hi. Thanks for joining us. And thanks to our friends at Switch Radio Europe Calling for having us part of their family. Thanks again to Liv McDonald. I'm loving it. Moving on. Uh... Yeah. All right. We do have a little bit of super quick news. It's it's sort of low quiet season this time of year. But before we know it, Junior Eurovision will be happening. As we all know, it's uh, Nice in France this upcoming November. We have 15 countries currently confirmed for Junior Eurovision so far, with Germany back in the fold, Serbia and Kazakhstan both confirming their departure. We have four artists known already. And frankly, by the time that you're listening to this episode, a fifth Malta will be chosen as well. At least the singer, we don't know the song. So 
so far we've got Georgia uh, Anastasia Vasadze, North Macedonia's Tamara Gruyeska, uh, Julia Machado from Portugal, and Sandra Valero from Spain. Any Maltese act will be known imminently. Oh, I hope it's Can't destiny. It's, um, I mean, I know that Malta is sort of a magical island, but I didn't realize that they had the Fountain of Youth over there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's right by that other thing. The thing, you know, the famous thing, Malta. The Falcon? Yeah. Yeah. Danny, save us. Oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, no. I, oh, it's almost, I'm so excited that it's almost junior time again. Uh, I know. We've, I say this a lot on the show, but it's going to be repeated until people believe me. Junior is great. And if you're missing Eurovision, you know, and you're about as far away from it as you can be calendar wise, because there's six months since the last one, six months till the next one. Guess what? There's a thing and it's called Junior and it's delightful. It's the exact same thing, except everyone is small. It's Great. good times. It's, it's really fantastic. good times. I'm, so much I'm sad I'm not going to be able to make it in person this year. Also, because it would have been really, really nice to get to the south of France during a Minnesota winter. Really? Nice, you mean? <laughs> ah. Oh, boy. Yep. Yeah, get used to that joke. We're going to be making it a lot. Uh, it's, yeah. What a nice time. <sighs> I don't know. I feel like I, I feel like if, uh, if I'm going to Nice, I don't want it to be in November. I don't know. Why is that? Why not? Because it because because summer would be more good. Well, yes, summer, but then you yes. also have more. Yeah, more expensive and more tourists. No. Yeah. Don't make me reconsider this. I don't have time. <laughs> anyway, looking forward even further uh, over to the big show Eurovision 2024. It's still super super early days yet. Countries are just starting to confirm participation, so numbers are totally in flux. But have an interesting tidbit of news that has just kind of come through the airwaves this past week. Portugal has confirmed that they will be in it, which normally wouldn't be that big of a deal. However, this marks the first time since 1992 that they will be present at a contest that's been hosted in Sweden. So why, why is that? It was, is it just bad timing that like they Sweden kept hosting at times when Portugal had just kind of noped out? Or do they hate the Swedes for some reason? No, I mean, I, I can't. Oh, let's start a juicy rumor. Uh, that they're, they they had some sort of deep standing feud over uh, yeah. salt yeah, cod yeah, yeah. reserves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I mean, honestly, the the two most recent contests, so that would have been the 2013 and 2016 contests. A lot of it was just financial that they just they just took a step back. It was like, you know, we can't afford it. We'll step back and not do it this year. Uh, back in the year 2000, when it was hosted in, by Sweden, uh, this is before they had the semifinal setup. And so with the amount of countries that really wanted to take part, the EBU, instead of having the idea of setting up a semifinal, they had sort of a, a relegation setup mm -hmm. that if you didn't qualify or if you didn't reach a high enough level over a certain number of years, you basically were made to sit out for a year while other countries kind of took your place. So unfortunately, due to a couple of years of poor results, Portugal was out of the contest in the year 2000. And they came back soon afterwards, just... This is the system that was obviously thrown out when semifinals were created. But yeah, for, for a time in the late 90s and early 2000s, that was kind of standard. But yeah, so with all that, this is the first Swedish-held contest since 1992 that Portugal will be present in. So that's going to be cool. I also want to tell our listeners, uh, if, if, you, if you've never looked at the logo for Eurovision 2000, you should. Uh, because it is the most late 90s, early 2000s thing I have ever seen. Is that just the lips? Yes, it is. Oh, it's just the lips. Yeah. Eurovision Lips Contest 
2000 and it's snarling a little bit it's like dreamworks made it sure yeah it's good yeah nice uh, in other news, uh, we this isn't really news because I think we kind of expected this to happen. Uh, the BBC's partnership with Tap Music, which is the organization that helped us uh, bring Sam Ryder and Mae Miller to the forefront, has expired. This wasn't some sort of big to-do. I think they only had a two-year contract with this, so it just naturally expired. It wasn't like there was big any big fallout between the BBC and Tap. It's just, it's just run its course. But that means the BBC is going to have to change some tack. We will see what they do for 2024, but yeah, so there's going to be a bit of change afoot. Any thoughts little, on that, guys? Yeah, I'm a little surprised by that, just because I feel like, and I understand Mae Muller ended up not doing very well in terms of score, but I feel like she was a she was a hit uh, in terms of PR and and bringing more positivity to the contest and and mm-hmm. and getting more UK citizens watching the show. Uh, and it, yeah, and there was chart success from. Mm-hmm. from then i wrote a song so yeah and and so i i would have thought that that there would be a greater desire to to keep this partnership going but i guess if not then uh i don't know uh i mean it's only a two-year agreement to begin with so i think right. i mean had i imagine had she done better they'd be like hey, you know let's extend this a little bit but i think they're they were hoping for repeat success they didn't see it so like they were like all right let's try something else mm. i mean they what was uh oh, was it bgm BMG? BMG. Yeah, BMG. BMG with uh, Embers. Yeah. imagine that was not a difficult decision being like, yeah, we're going to go in a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I I wonder if they will... Could could there be an opportunity here to go back to a national final, perhaps? I was was thinking the other day, what if... What if... uh, I don't know. Maybe they're like the main BBC wouldn't want to do this or wouldn't like this idea. But suppose... They did uh, like an American song contest type deal, but with the various counties across the entirety of the UK. And you're giving all of these constituent countries opportunities to potentially compete, uh, even, no, are you even saying, more are, are than you, Ireland. I was going to say, are you saying counties or like the constituent nations? Well, like, I, I, I mean, like England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, maybe the Channel Islands, Isle of Man, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. I, or are you I meaning was, like West Yorkshire versus Devon? No, I, w- I was thinking counties just because it seemed like constituent countries would be too many. But I don't know. Maybe maybe each maybe each constituent country does its own thing. And then the four winners or if there are islands that get theirs too or whatever, then then you have a four song final. I don't You'd know. Have like I, a couple of artists from each country. I think that would be so cool. I, I wonder you know, if the, the powers that be are... They seem to be so insistent on sticking with English artists. Mm-hmm. Like, is is there a reason for that? You think, well, I mean, or? there have been a number of Welsh artists that have done it in the past. And I mean, it could just be population. It could be where the resources are coming from. I, I would love I mean, I've, I've brought up the statistic multiple times in the past. We have not had a Scottish born act representing the United Kingdom since 1988. And he came that's, in second, which is pretty that's solid. Ridiculous. That, I know. Like, Churches, ridiculous. get on this. <laughs> we I would love to see something. I would love to see the UK do something like that. Bring yeah. in all of the all the different countries. Uh, but I don't know. If, Call me. I'll help you out. Uh, just it, it, let me get some Maggie Fu in Liverpool, and uh, and we'll be good. That's all I ask. Um, oh, and the play, and the one the one stand that had Chaco Mill, the one that was right outside of our apartment. Unbelievable! I I <laughs> I have spent so much time. We're gonna talk travel stories and stuff, but I'm I'm gonna tell this one now. As you know, I am a bit of a fan. Chaco Mill, the uh, the Dutch chocolate milk drink that's fun for the whole family, and I, I have. 
the other times I've traveled and research I've done and stuff like that has always indicated you cannot get it outside of the Netherlands. It's like it's only that like you like they don't have it in Belgium. You can't get it, you know, in any other like Germany or any other nearby spot. It's only in the Netherlands. But then we got to Liverpool and there was a, you know, like a newsstand kiosk sort of place right outside of of our uh, corporate fund center in the Liverpool city center area. And they had it. <laughs> and this it, is after you had specifically imported bottles and bottles and bottles of Chocomel from the Netherlands, where you had just been prior yes. to your Liverpool trip, and stocked yes. our fridge with it. And you step outside of our uh, of our apartment, look at the kiosk, and there it is, just like literally just staring you in the face. He smuggled it out of the country like the dude in Midnight Express. It was mm-hmm. really bizarre. I have a great video. We'll put this on the Patreon or TikTok or I don't know of uh, Sam opening the fridge. Uh, right after getting in and seeing how much Chocomel I had put in it. It was, it was a, a lot. lot. <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot. It might have actually been too much. Uh, we, I did end up getting all... I had. We collectively, although it was mostly me, drank uh, all, all, all of it before we left. It was like two gallons. You were, using, you, you were literally pouring it over your breakfast cereal in the morning at one point, weren't you? On the day of the final, yeah. Uh, there was still a fair amount left. And I had the the Tesco Rice Krispies equivalent, and uh, I was like, "Coca Krispies, yeah, let's go!" This. And yeah, uh, it was this. great. It was fantastic. Yeah. <sighs> All right, I'm back a to it, it. It it did look pretty brilliant, actually. It was very um, good. As as I've always been the kind of person to drink the milk after drinking my and after eating my Coco Krispies or my Cocoa Puffs. So yeah, like that 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 tracks. Obviously. That tracks. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Anyway, back to Eurovision. Uh, an interesting Ooh. rumor, an interesting rumor floated over the interwebs earlier today. And rumors are starting to swirl. Discussions are starting to be had. It's still, you know, way in the future about a potential return for 2025. So not this upcoming contest, but the next one. That supposedly the powers that be for the national broadcaster of Slovakia mm. are beginning to are beginning to talk and budget about having Slovakia potentially return in two years time. Now, of course, a lot can happen. A lot of things can go on behind the scenes, you know, both with the broadcaster as well as like a political situation within a country itself. But the fact that they're potentially talking about this at all is making me drool just a little bit because I'm, I'm, I'm going to put just put this out there. I would love to see Slovakia back. I feel like I was the only person in the world who loved Max Jason May's Don't Close Your Eyes in Baku, even though I know I came in dead last and it was somewhat off key on the night. But dang, in studio, it was good. Yeah, I uh, uh, the more the merrier, like between them and Luxembourg and, and you know, this constant bubbling under of hopefully getting Andorra back at some point. Yes, bring them all back, please. Sivu play. I don't know how to say it in Slovak, but yes. It's Sivu play. Ah, oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sort of a weird quirk. Slovak yeah. is the same as French. I didn't know until recently either. Yeah. I, I, my time with the contest does not overlap with Slovakia's involvement at all. Uh, so I don't have a ton of, uh, ton to say about this. But, but you know, I, I, I wondered, you know, we talked about Luxembourg, them coming back. Is there going to be a you know a, a rush of others being like oh yeah you can come back and then coming back hold on over Turkey yet. <sighs> I'm I'm still waiting for somebody to start up a darn crowdfunder to to get Bosnia and Herzegovina back because I will donate I will absolutely donate to get Bosnia back that yeah yeah that is yeah. if Bosnia is back they will be doing battle with Portugal for like my pet country Aww. yeah wow that's 
That's high praise, Sam. That is high praise. Like, yeah. look at their back catalog. We'll have to we'll have to do a Bosnia deep dive at some point. But yes, all right, let's yeah. do it. Actually, well, maybe we'll have to, we'll have to do a Slovakia one as well. Now that they are potentially whispering about coming back, once Sandy gets back, we'll put our heads together and see what we can whip up for y'all. Yeah, he's going to want to be in that one. Yeah, but yes, uh, let's talk just other things that are going on in our lives. Um, like we said, Danny is on his way right now to the Island Islands for a for a friend's wedding. We you know wish we were there with him. We wish he was here with us. Uh, we know that he's having an amazing time. Uh, Island seems like this magical place where. Finland meets Sweden in its own its own wonderful own wonderful way. Is he flying out there? Do we know if he's taking the ferry over from from Stockholm? Do we know? I believe he. So he flew into Copenhagen. They're taking a train, uh, or no, they're going to Stockholm last. They're coming home from there. Uh, mm. So I, I think they're taking a ferry from Copenhagen or somewhere else in Sweden uh, to the islands, and mm. then they're, after the wedding, they're going to Stockholm for a few days. Cool. Uh. Well, we will have to pick his brain for his experiences out there uh, next time that we have him on the show, which should be, I guess, next episode. Maybe the one after. We'll figure it out. Anyway. Yeah, he'll be back. Yeah. Or else. He better. He's our Danny. And also all of our all of our recording equipment when we record on site, it's all at his apartment. So That's right. uh, yeah. he better yeah, come we, back. We don't have access oh, to this. And dreams. Yeah, the studio. Yeah, I, I put my dreams at Danny's place. Seems like a safe place for him. It's an artist oh, loft. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a perfect place for hopes and dreams to grow. Mm. And they have a pipe organ because that's what you have in an artist's loft. And a harpsichord. I love our friends. Uh, Yeah. This this is, I I know these things all sound like we're just making stuff up. It's everything all true. We, everything we just said is 100% true, including that I keep my dreams there. Uh, so, <laughs> okay. Did anything else go on? Oh, yeah. There was something. Sam. Huh? What? Sam got married. Yeah, what? I did, didn't I? What? Sam got What's married. Congratu- congratulations, Sam. That's why boys is off the market. Yep. Why did our Patreon contributions just drop to zero? Oh, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, oh, man. It's okay. No, we, I, still, yes. we still have the uh the the gay coalition i guess anyway we'll cut that we'll cut that <laughs> that stays in oh man <laughs> no anyway, uh, yeah, yeah i i yeah. i got married y'all uh i never thought that would happen but yeah it did and uh thank you thank the both of you and plus danny and absentia uh for being there with me uh eric w- did a lovely a lovely reading during the ceremony which i'm very grateful for honestly we made sure to have it as eurovisiony as possible without making it too esoteric <laughs> we 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 eurovisioned up the wedding um i did go down the aisle to the Tadeum. i still kind of can't believe you did that i i i, I don't know oh come was- on no, no, no. It it, how, it was, it was it wonderful. It was wonderful. It just when when like we initially I was joking about it and you were like, oh, no, 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 I'm actually going to do that. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I was just kind of surprised. I mean, it one, was nice. It, it was if, really nice. If you don't know the significance of the Tadeum, it's just a very pretty piece of, of pleasant classical music. If you know the Tadeum and what that means to Eurovision, then you know that it it is the song that plays before something amazing happens. So you're damn right I was going to play that at the start of my wedding. <laughs> Fair enough. Sam, I, I do need to call out the complete absence of Krista Siegfried's Marry Me uh, at any point during 
during this wedding. Uh, yeah, I guess you'll have to take that up with the DJ. Uh, after a while, people were I just will. throwing throwing uh, Eurovision requests at him because I mean, like most Americans, he wasn't super familiar with it. But uh, he, I think we had a nice little block of Eurovision songs in there. There was Fuego. Somebody had Dancing Lashatumbai requested. Um, uh, Betty Christos, oh my god, actually was a bit of a dance floor filler, which was mm-hmm. which was great. Um, but yeah, we had other other sort of Eurovision touches as well. Um, we had a traditional. I mean, many of the listeners know that I'm I'm secular, but I'm Jewish. Uh, so we had we had a hora at the wedding because why the heck not? You know, what other best better way to get everybody on the dance floor than you know sort of everybody grab your hands of your neighbor and run around in a circle and lift people up on chairs, kind of a thing. Uh, so we had a two song hora. The first one was the traditional the hava nagila hava. Yeah, but then we followed that up with trenoletsul. Yes. Which was a masterstroke. I was so yes. proud that worked out as well as it did. Because again, we figure the people who knew the song knew exactly what was going on, and the people who didn't know didn't know, and it's okay. I think I think by the end, even the people who didn't get the significance had at least picked up on when to say "Hey ho, let's go," which yeah. was a nice which was a nice touch. We had the whole we had the whole room doing that, and a bunch of people who did know the song were able to yell out "Kishinau Bucharest" in just the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is this some sort of traditional Jewish thing? No. Nope, it's just Eurovision. This is very traditional Sam thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we also, uh, musical choice at the end of the ceremony is my husband and I, huh, I guess say my husband, uh, oh, and man. I w- walked back down the aisle. Um, that was to Dali Freire, 10 years. Mm. How does it keep getting better? So And, uh, was... and the procession before the Tadeum, mm-hmm. Isla, that you kind of did an Icelandic sandwich, uh, right? Yeah, we did. did o- opened and closed with Icelandic music. Yeah, uh, yeah. So the the song that everybody minus me and my parents walked down the aisle to was uh, Siguros Hopipola, which was very, very lovely. That was that was one of Steve's picks. Such a great song. Yeah. Uh, let's see, other things that we did... Um, uh, yeah, we had Dali Freire very liberally sprinkled in through the whole thing. You know, obviously had Eurovision friends on on the guest list. Uh, we had set up a live stream for my Eurovision friends and family who couldn't make it in person, um, which was which was really quite nice. Uh, and I, I guess the other way that we use kind of Eurovision to galvanize uh, my bridesmaids, my mother and I were basically doing this sort of fantasy music league against each other because only two of my bridesmaids had ever really met in person. They're kind of friends of mine from different parts of my life, uh, including including two people who have been on the show, Lisa Jane Lewis and, and Liz Sapu, who've both been guests uh, on 12 Points. Um, but as a way for everybody to get to know each other, we took part in sort of a fantasy music league where every week everybody's asked to pick two or three songs that have a shared theme and then we all kind of vote on each other. So there was a lot of Eurovision music that kind of sprinkled in through all of that. And that kind of helped galvanize my, my group of ladies, which was which was really very cool. By the end of it, and we were doing this for months, by the end of it, we had the shared playlist of just great, awesome stuff. Um, but it, it just, it meant the world to me to have at least the, the two of you guys, three plus Danny and and your respective partners. And just thank you for, for making the day awesome. I really do appreciate it. It was it was a crazy hectic day and I can't believe it's all over. But um I made sure to make it as Eurovision as possible without it being just completely Euro Club. <laughs> well, I need to thank you, Sam. I don't know if you even know this, but Oh dear. Uh don't worry. It's only very stupid. Uh yeah, there in, in the men's room they had these um prophylactics. Just, uh, no. <laughs> 
That's what we forgot. Ah. Yeah. No, they're, they're just a basket of just various toiletries and things like that. And it's yeah, yeah, we said, said yeah, we we set out little amenity kits in the men's and ladies. Yes, yeah. and it said courtesy of the bride and groom, and that's why Sam, I want to thank you for these dude wipes. um it is it is a a flushable wipe um so you can wipe your dudes yes yeah directions tear unfold and wipe dude it really says that uh and it it wants me to like tweet at them about how much i love wiping with dude wipes are we trying to get that are we trying to get that sweet sweet dude wipe money for for our sponsorship is that what we're is that we're trying to do i would be fine getting some dude wipe money Anyway, I can't wait to... Thanks, Sam. I, I wouldn't have it without you and your husband. I have a husband. That's so uh, weird. That's it, so weird. It's kind of weird. Hey, yeah. It is weird. Uh, uh, I can't imagine having a husband. Well, I mean, mm. Steve's not really your type. Sorry. He kind of is. Well, this just got complicated, didn't it? <laughs> anyway, uh, so in the sort of spirit of Danny and, and his current All-In Island trip, uh, my wedding and soon to be, uh, or at least this fall, my my upcoming honeymoon. Uh, Derek, Eric, and I have had the good fortune to be able to go to Eurovision in person, on site, multiple times. So we have travel stories. So we kind of wanted to to take a moment, especially while Danny's not here because he hasn't done this stuff yet. Hopefully, we'll get him on site soon. Um, just to kind of just swap some favorite travel stories from from the years that we've done this. Just funny moments or or sweet sweet memories or, or crazy coincidences or just travel tips, things like that. So, so why don't we start with what have been some of our favorite non bubble moments while on site by the bubble, like many times at Eurovision, you are at your hotel, you're at the press center, you're watching a rehearsal, you're in the venue, you're at the Euro club, you're in the sort of Eurovision bubble. What have been some of your favorite moments when you got out of that bubble and got to experience the city or the country itself. Are there any any kind of stories that kind of jump to mind for you guys? I think one of the things I really enjoyed is if you, I guess wherever you are, you're spending so much time in the city itself. You just kind of become a resident and then Eurovision sort of becomes your job for two weeks or however long you're there for. So you don't have a ton of time to really do a lot of stuff like you would as if you were just a tourist. But one of the things is there are a few days where you can just sort of knock around and get out of the actual city that you're in. And if you can do that, it's always a lot of fun. Uh, we, we did a tour of Jerusalem when we were in Israel, got mm. out of Tel Aviv for a few days. And Jerusalem and Tel Aviv are just wildly different cities. Yeah. Um, so to go like that very modern, very progressive kind of Tel Aviv to a very old, old traditional kind of city like Jerusalem and to walk down these streets that are like thousands of years old and to see like these different, uh, religious communities and that what is it that armenian church we went into and the light was kind of shining down it was just Mm. the most gorgeous thing i'd ever seen and i'm almost like oh gosh maybe they're right maybe god their god is the right one (laughs) um i you know just uh, kind of being able to do get out and explore and we we did that trip out to the uh the swedish islands off of stockholm oh yeah was that the vox home that we did vox home yeah yeah, nothing like really crazy out there, but just like seeing what life is like at, on these little islands and like going into a grocery store and buying brownies from a group of like school children who were selling oh, yeah. like baked goods outside of a grocery store. Yeah. And then when we came back, they were gone. They were only there for like an hour. Um, <laughs> like just kind of goofy stuff like that, I think. Um, or I, I guess 
now that I'm thinking about it, my absolute favorite favorite thing is just talking to people local. If you can find some people who speak English and just starting a conversation with them. If you're wearing a lanyard, it really opens people up because they can see that you're sort of there with a mission and they will just chat with you. I had a great conversation with this Italian guy when we got to uh, Italy. Italy, yeah. Uh, like when I first checked in. <laughs> A lot of Italian I was, kind of there. There. I was trying to remember where I met him and it was at, it was at the uh, accreditation center and he, and I just started asking him like, well, you know, I just got here. What do you recommend? What are some things I should do? What are restaurants I should go to? And he started like looping in other people. And we were like talking about all these different restaurants and different food cultures and places to eat and things like, and where, there's this restaurant, but it's like this kind of food from this city. And then there's this place which has food from like this part of Italy. And just like having these conversations, I think is a lot of fun. Like the, like the girl outside of the, um, the grocery store, we were buying bread and we were asking her like who's your favorite singer this year <laughs> what kind of music do you like and it was just sort of like what do you think about eurovision and they were like totally into it it was kind of fun oh they were totally into franz they all had crushes totally on franz. franz of course he was age appropriate oh yeah <laughs> i remember that that was that was a fun excursion even though we nearly missed our, our ferry out there i remember just us running to the wrong pier <laughs> they all look the same they do <laughs> what about you eric any sort of fun non-bubble moments that you've had? Uh, that depends on your definition of fun, I suppose. But uh, a, a couple of things, a couple of things come to mind. Uh, my my very first Eurovision experience on site in any kind was Paris, uh, twenty twenty one for Junior. Again, great. Uh, and there is something just so absolutely tremendous about Paris at Christmas. It's just it's just magical. Uh, it, I mean, I guess if, if you're not super into Paris, it's probably not going to change your mind. There are a, a couple a couple of things there that came to mind. Uh, one was we, so we were staying in uh, Boulogne-Billancourt on the on the west side of the city, uh, which is a pretty nice area of town. And there are some nice restaurants. And uh, Liz, uh, who came with me, and I had were having dinner one night on a near busy intersection right by uh, Parc de Prince, the the stadium where uh, PSG plays. Uh, Roland Garros is right there. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it, it's a it's a really cool part of the city, and it's one that not as many people go to because it's not in the middle of the city where all the really really famous stuff is. Yeah, I mean, technically, Boulogne-Billancourt is is not within mm. the city limits of Paris. It's technically a first ring suburb, but it's like a block. Away, from, yeah. Boulogne Court yeah. is is not, yeah, oh, okay. yeah. But it's it's you know Paris it's, Metro, but it's it's still well, it's still within Ring One of the Metro, which is the important thing. Yeah, true. Uh, because once you get outside of that, it gets very complicated. Ask me how I know. Uh, and <laughs> we were sitting down to dinner, and who should who should walk right by our window? Then noted husband haver Samantha Ross, <laughs> because your hotel was a couple blocks from where we were. I believe mm -hmm. uh, we we had an apartment that was it was just a studio but god it was great it was just the perfect little place bed was surprisingly comfortable <laughs> um but we got to got to hang out for a bit uh however briefly at, uh, at there and, and that was very nice uh yeah i mean the full full story of that was you know I, I was i was a member of the the staff at that at that time and they were really recommending that we kind of tamp down on social uh, on social events and you know really you know we were being tested for for covid rather often and you know mask wearing was still you know very very much de rigueur uh but we were able to leave the hotel especially considering that you know you can only eat restaurant hotel restaurant meals so many times before you absolutely go insane so i took advantage of some you know uh, local you know meal pickup service and takeout and i just happened to get a message from liz saying hey we're grabbing some Italian food over at this place that's like four blocks away from your hotel. I'm like, oh, what a crazy random happenstance. They yeah. happen to do takeaway. So well, well, I got well. there a couple minutes
minutes before my meal was ready and, you know, masked and respectfully distanced, was able to well enough randomly see two of my best friends in Paris yeah. of all places. So, yeah, uh, crazy random happenstance. I know. So uh, there a couple of interesting thing ha- things happen when we when uh, uh, Liz and I would spend some time in the in that central area of, of Paris where you're right on the river and Notre Dame is right there and the Latin Quarter is right there. Uh, there was a Christmas market that we walked around in for a while and we sat down. It's just sort of a random bench somewhere. And I, I've definitely never told this story on this show. Uh, this uh, um, We're just sitting there, just kind of taking a breather and a uh, fully costumed Santa Claus comes and sits <laughs> down next to us and just goes, how are you doing? <laughs> uh and I don't know if it was the end of his shift or he just quit or what was going on, but he was just so done. It was, he was, he was just done being Santa and like kids would walk by and he'd be like, Hey, hey, and, but would like wave them off. Like, no, Santa isn't busy right now. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, so we chatted with Santa for a while. He said, you know, where are you from? He said, we're from America. And, and, uh, it was nice. The other, uh, it just might've even been the exact same day. We were, we were walking through the Latin quarter at night, which is a fun, interesting thing to do if you're in mm-hmm. Paris. And there was a uh, an unhoused guy um, who, and there are there are a fair number of those in that part of the city. This one in particular had a hook, so to speak. And that was on a blanket in front of him were two small dogs and a cat just mm-hmm. chilling. And I got very, I get excited anytime I see a cat, basically. And I was very excited. I went down to, and like I understand what the how this works, you know, uh, but. I I lean over to pet the cat and he's like, you pay to pay, you pay. And I was like, no, 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 I'm going to pay. Don't worry. And I pet the cat. The cat's name was Fish. He was super, he was super adorable. Uh, And then another guy whose thing was banging a drum really loudly. That was his thing for getting money. uh, Came up and started banging a drum really loudly uh, right next to this guy. Uh, Mm -hmm. And you know who doesn't like it when drums are banged really loudly is uh, a cat and two small dogs. It was really tense for a brief moment. But then uh, they swore at each other in French or whatever. And then the other guy went somewhere else. Uh, But I have a, I, I miss fish. I think about him often. It's a good cat. Cat named Fish. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think about one of my favorite random outside the bubble moments. And I think one of the first ones that I had that really kind of made me think, what even is my life? How did I get here? But this is awesome. Uh, so my second contest was in, was in Baku in Azerbaijan. And prior to the event... I had made a connection and and sent a couple emails or messages back and forth with a guy who was one half of the duo Caspian Dreamers, who were a pair of American Peace Corps volunteers who were living in Azerbaijan. And then the two of them had come up with a sort of parody of um, Empire State of Mind, but all about Baku. And that kind of went viral in Azerbaijan, and it ended up leading to them taking part in the national final and making a couple of rounds in actually um so yeah you can find them on you know caspian dreamers if you look for them on youtube it's actually really rather cute it just guys just having fun singing party rock anthem Um, dudes being dudes huh dudes being dudes but like Uh, i i had messaged one of the guys tim and he's just saying you know this is really cool i'm an american i'm gonna be in baku one 
how the heck did this happen? And two, if I'm going to be in Baku, do you want to meet up? I'd be happy to like, if, are there any like American foods that you're missing that you that you and this other guy, Tim, or, or no, uh, Tim and, and Brad was the other guy, you're missing. Let me know. I'd be happy to ferry it over. So I'm, I make it to Baku. I've got like a grocery bag full of like crusties, like muffin mix and like pancake mix. Like he, he specifically was having a hankering for like banana nut bread mix that I was able to bring to him. And we're chatting, we're, you know, having coffee or whatever. And he's like, you know what? Like I, I didn't have any rehearsals to go to. And he's like, you know what? We, we're going to meet up with a couple of other local friends, some other local Peace Corps volunteers. We know this, we know this really cool spot. You want to come with us? I'm like, sure. Why the heck not? I wasn't going anywhere. And suddenly I find myself playing ping pong with a bunch of American Peace Corps volunteers in Baku in a, it, it must've been an old Soviet era movie theater like you still see the murals on the wall sort of big vaulted ceiling but it's like kind of worn and rusted around the edges and we're just sitting there having you know playing ping pong like having an absolute blast you know handing over boxes and boxes of banana nut bread mix and i'm sitting there going what is my life how how did this happen like i don't regret a thing but like this is one of the more surreal and random moments of my life but i was having an absolute blast and all of the stress that i had gone through to get to azerbaijan in the first place because i'm, I'm sure i've told the story about the, the at the time the rigorous visa process that nearly nearly derailed my trip to Azerbaijan in the first place. Um, it kind of all made it worth it. And it's one of my favorite memories from Baku. Um, yeah, that's, it's so random, but I absolutely love that story. And then there are other, you know, more serious moments too. Like Derek and I on a, on a quiet day in Kiev, we, you know, we headed out to Chernobyl and we, we did the tour that day, which was incredible, which, you know, God only knows we'd never be able to do again, probably. And um, you just, you have to carve out those moments outside the Eurovision bubble if you're too immersed in it. My first year, I was so immersed in it, I literally got myself sick. I was at the Euro Club every single night for two weeks, running on oh, about no. four hours of sleep every single night because I oh, thought, God. I'm never going to do this again, so I'm going to squeeze the life out of it. And I nearly squeezed the life out of myself. So starting in 2012, I made sure to make an effort to carve out some more time and appreciate the cities and appreciate the visit, you know, the places that I've gone to. Can I, can I ask another question about 2012? And this one yeah. is... This one is all Eurovision yeah, uh, yeah. To, to take us home, perhaps. Um, I've been wondering about this. Obviously, there was a feeling about tattoo in Liverpool. Mm -hmm. What was the vibe about Euphoria? Oh, it was there. It was absolutely there. It was it was pretty much irrepressible. It was more, I think by the end of it, there was a bit of a bubbling undercurrent of those grannies are so dang cute that sure. maybe maybe there would be a novelty aspect of it that would that would bubble up. But no one no no people people basically figured that Euphoria was a foregone conclusion in twenty twelve. I really want a year where we're going and we're not pretty sure we know. Or a year like 2017, where we thought we knew, and then it went in a completely different direction. You, yeah. you, you know what year? You know what really would have been crazy in terms of like going in and and really having no idea mm -hmm. is 2020. Yeah. Like I and like I know we think think about things probably had. I'm really not sure. Fibromore would have given it a run for its money. Yeah, I I think it's one of those uh, more than likely. I know that I, when the contest was canceled, the favorite was was Tears Getting Sober, mm -hmm. which is. It's a very good song. I don't. I. I think Fire Mori would have killed its nice slow thunder, uh, pretty handily. Yeah. But but we'll never and we'll never know. And that's the and that's the gift that we get from mm. from the COVID year, as we get to debate about that forever. But no, I I really think that one would have come down to the wire, and mm. we haven't really had one like that since. I mean, um, 
we haven't really had that many opportunities since. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Zitia yeah. Buoni, voila, came pretty close. Yeah, but I, I think at the end of the day, it was just going to be that. Obviously, Stefania was not going to be denied. Mm-hmm. Tattoo was not going to be denied. Mm-hmm. We will Mama, see what happens. Get we weird. Will see what happens. Let's yeah. get weird. <laughs> All right. Next question. What yes. have been some of your favorite food moments from a host city? Because I, I, I mean, I know the three of us are kind of on a similar page that we like to travel somewhere where there's a good bite at the end of the rainbow. A good, a good, a good nosh. Uh, yeah. A nosh. What would have been some of your favorite, favorite food moments? I've name dropped Maggie Fu already on this show. Yeah. Uh, and Chocomel. And Chocomel. Okay. I'm trying to think of things that aren't those. Um, I mean, just about everywhere in Italy, uh, there was a place before the jury final in Turin where we went where I had a carbonara pizza. Oh. That was, oh. I, and listen, you know, I love a good carbonara. I couldn't finish this thing. It was so huge. <laughs> it was, it was uh, just obscene. And it was just cheese and eggs and mm. like bacon. And, and I got everything. Everything we had um, in Italy was so good. Probably the mm. best, best meal I've ever had was on that same trip, but not in Turin. It was in Florence uh, on, the, on the way. But we, we made our way down to Rome after the contest, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but one, one thing very Eurovision said, Centric food wise that comes to mind for me. Mm-hmm. Our good friend Dave Cargill, who oh, Dave. uh who is really a friend of the show, profoundly nice guy. He actually lives in the US. He's like a producer for investigative discovery and does like murder show productions. And he's also and... the producer of the of the uh radio broadcast that you and Spence and I were on and then for the right, yeah, yes. yeah. He so. also does Eurovision, which is why yeah. he was in Eurovision. He's uh, kind of my boss in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but he's he's fantastic. And uh, so there's a there's a, a beverage, an Italian beverage that I'm quite fond of called Mole Cola. And it's specific to Turin. Like like you can't the even mole, get it. Yeah. You, you can, yeah. Because of the uh, Mole Antonelliana, which is a big cool building in Turin that uh, we also went to on an excursion. It was very cool. Uh, but it's it's a it's just a soda. You know, it's a cola. It's just really, really good. And I'm a big fan of it. And it's from Turin. And like, I think it's it's kind of exclusive to northern Italy, like in that mm. area. Like you, they don't have it in Rome, uh, for instance. It's specific to that area. Mm. Uh, and uh, being in the home of Mole Cola was very exciting for me. Uh, <laughs> and, and I made that known, I think, um, to the point where... Dave uh, mentioned that he is anytime he got up to take care of something and I was in the press center, he would come back and with a mole cola and give it to me. Uh, I Yeah, that's it. That's Amen. the story. He's just and, and yeah, if you ever have a chance, if you're in America, you can get it at Italy, which is the Italian supermarket slash restaurant complex. Uh, they it, most a lot of major cities have them. There's New York, Boston, L.A., Chicago have them mm-hmm. um, and you can get it there. And it's amazing. Uh, so I recommend that mm-hmm. checking that out. Derek, what about you? What have been some of your your culinary highlights of Eurovision events? It's always um, the first meal at every location that gets you, mm. I think, because you're not entirely sure what you're in for when you get to a place. I mean, you have a rough idea, but then you actually like sit down and eat it and you've been on a plane for, I don't know, 12 hours. Uh, <laughs> that first meal we had in Kiev, oh where I, I still I still laugh thinking about how we were looking at the pictures in the menu of like these dumplings and things. And we did the math in our head. And it was like, well, how much is this? And it's like, oh, it's like 250 in American. And this one, oh, it's like $3. Like, oh, they're probably really small. So let's order a bunch of them. <laughs> oh, no. 
They, they were the size of your fist. Like, they're just enormous. And then like they brought them out and I'm just staring at this table like, okay. And we ordered wine and the whole thing was like $11 each. Yeah. It was enough food for like four people. <laughs> We made a pretty good dent in that. That was, oh, yeah. yep. And yeah, and um, that was, and that was right near Maidan too. So it was like not the cheapest part of town. Like that was sort of like the center, the heart of the city. The, so. Yeah, that was like the fancy part. That was like, a, I think it was a Georgian restaurant or something. It but, was, yeah. Oh, Georgian, so you say. Oh, yeah. And oh, then yes. I think the other one was when we went to the vegetarian place in Tel Aviv. Mm. And I was, I think I, I'd arrived at like 2 a.m., that day and you'd been there for a day already so you knew yeah. a little bit about the neighborhood and we were like sharing a, an apartment and i you know we got up early went to the con the convention area and we were like working and then it was nighttime and we were like okay i need like real food i've been eating granola bars and cornflakes or whatever and you're like oh there's this restaurant on the around the corner do you want to go try that and i'm like sure and i'm thinking okay it's i'm looking at the menu i'm realizing it's vegetarian i'm like that's fine whatever and you know i'm like okay hummus and like this pastry with cheese in it and salad a couple other things I'm like whatever it should be fine my god the first bite i took i was like how can something taste this good what you know, it, what was it though like what what like it's just it like just, hummus yeah oh, something okay. so simple but done so well and i'm, I'm thinking mm. to myself like wait i don't i didn't think that was a vegetarian restaurant and now i'm around, now remembering it was kosher it was dairy kosher so yes of course ah. it, you know, no meat. yeah so it wasn't vegan but it was i mean probably very vegan friendly if you wanted it to be but yeah yeah, yeah that place was Cause, great because you were telling me you'd eaten at the restaurant next to it mm -hmm. and you said this place looked really good the place next door was also very good and i think i ate there we ate there i ate there a couple days later yeah. but just like every single thing they brought out was like one of the best things i've ever eaten the falafel i remember being stunning falafel was just i mean you, you eat this stuff here and you get a sense of like okay this is what falafel is like this is what hummus is like and then you eat it there and you're just like everywhere else just gives you garbage like there's no reason for me to ever eat this stuff anywhere else <laughs> Because I've been spoiled. Yep, I've I've learned in my in my now multiple trips to Europe that kebab is a magical word. Yeah. Oh my god! I, honestly, one of the stories like, I was going to bring up. Yeah, my our first night or two in Vienna, which Derek would have been your first contest, we found a late night kebab stand not far from the arena after we'd picked up our our stuff. And, you know, we we're not lucky enough to live in a city or a country, really, where a late night kebab is really accessible. You know, I would I would love for there to be a nice, cheap, greasy, you know, donor kebab stand right near here. But Vienna, there was one not too far from the arena. And I had this perfectly greasy with the yogurt sauce, and the garlic and the red sauce and just, just perfect. Just the grease just getting into the bread and a, and a bottle of FS because it was a Turkish place. So they had the Turkish beer. So I had a bottle of FS to go with. With it of and what? it was amazing fs it's a, a a turkish beer oh okay yeah um and it was just perfection i just late night ah so good and like honestly a lot of the memories that i'm having now i'm realizing of vienna specifically were food focused my very first aperol spritz i had in vienna really yeah you'd never had one? We, i'd never had one before it featured oh. prominently at the wedding for our listeners yes it did oh yes, yes it, it did. did yes it yep. did yep um they're very good the, by the way i i was about halfway through Vienna, I was struck down with some sort of terrible cold flu from hell. And I really had no appetite for about three or four days. And I finally was able to venture out of the apartment after being loaded up with all sorts of crazy Austrian cough medicine. <laughs> and Derek... That gave you nightmares. <laughs> th yeah, that stuff was horrifying, both in taste and in side effect. But it cleared Don't out happen. my sinuses. So it was worth it. Okay, that's good. You want to um, try some, Eric? I got some. I still got it. <laughs> I, still, I still have some French sleeping pills, I think. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, that was uh, that was the first time in my life where I was able to like have a 
uh, conversation entirely in French. Hmm. Uh, and you were doped up. No, 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 no. When I was buying the the stuff. Oh, was, oh, I thought uh, it was sort you know, of like the phenomenon where you speak you speak a language better when you're slightly drunk. No. Oh, I should try oh. that though. Uh, no, I yeah. just went in and was like, Dave, Kokosha's food. And we, yeah, we were actually able to like discuss what had to be done. Nice. It was great. Uh, it's, but, I, yeah, anyway. Yeah. But yeah, like my first meal after like actually having an appetite, Derek, you and I went to this little cafe not too far from the, the flat where we were staying at. And you had this beautiful meal, like some sort of schnitzel or some, you know, big Austrian heavy thing. And the best that I could do was like a bowl of beef consomme with like pancake stripe, like pancake strips, like like what Alf Poyer sings about in his song, like little, literally like pancake strips. Pancake strips. Go to our YouTube channel if you don't know what we're talking about here. Danny did a fantastic literal, uh, uh, lyrical reading of this. So yes, but it was like the most delicious thing I'd ever eaten. Just this beef consomme with strips of pancake in it. I'm like, I, I love you, Austria. And then we did, you know, food tours in Tel Aviv, and we did multiple food tours in Tel Aviv, and you know, eating incredibly well in in Kiev. I, I still dream about a restaurant that I went to in, in Sofia in Bulgaria for junior. That would have been 2015. A restaurant that I later found out I think might be the oldest still open restaurant in the country. A place called Podlipite, where I had a pork chop the size of my face with garlic sauce for like seven euro. And it was Jesus. amazing. And the place, the, the owner just kept bringing out more and more and more to salads and breads and dips and table just groaning with just deliciousness and eating our fill. And oh God, I am so hungry right now, you guys. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think. I think what we've discovered here, conclusion that we can come to, is that food is good. Yes, can I think we've been really lucky that we haven't gone to a bad food country yet or bad location. I was very worried. You hear that, British listeners? We yes. approve. <laughs> Liverpool. Oh, surprisingly Liverpool good. was good. Was really. Was yeah, really we ate surprised. very well in Liverpool. We did. Yes. Yeah, wasn't just Maggie Foo. Or Smack Barn Peewet. Oh, we ended up not we having make... us. We didn't go and get Smack Barn Peewet, which is maybe we why we Wigan. think of it so so highly. Uh, uh, Lisa Jane was like, do not go to Wigan. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing there. Our apologies I, to any yeah. listeners in Wigan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, sure it's, I'm sure it's lovely. I learned while Thanks I was there me. that uh, Wigan is where Oasis filmed the video for Do You Know What I Mean? Which is, my, I think, my favorite Oasis song. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I would be that would be a cool thing to try and find if we were to go there. And then we didn't. That's my story. Mm. What other fun, fun Eurovision moments or travel stories do you do you guys want to bring up before we kind of wrap up for this? I mean, there's been so many. I mean, like I've, I've been doing this for a decade. Derek, you've been doing this since 2015. Eric, you've, right, you've got a couple under your belt. We're, we're under we're over an hour already. I mean, uh, but I mean, I mean, I've got amusing stories. I don't know if I should share here, but the <laughs> Norwegian fan who wanted me to hook her up with Nikki Byrne. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's so hilarious. Just because she was like, you're, you're with Ireland. I'm like, I was working with the Irish ESC Ireland, not the Irish delegation. But she was like, she saw Ireland on my badge was like, do you know Nikki Byrne? Is he married? And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, oh, happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh like, god <sighs> good gravy yeah like sorry uh, lady and there was the time that philip kirkorov called me a maximalist that oh, was god fun. kirkorov in full <laughs> lino regalia ah uh, yes uh 
Did you say um, Lionel, yes. like from yes. Thundercats? Yes. Awesome. You've seen the man's hair. No, no, I, I believe it. I just, just making he sure had, I... He had this weird lion thing going for a while where he, like his hair was like a mane and he had like a lion head belt buckle thing. It, well, it was it was really bizarre. Like he's he's changed since then, but that was sort of what he some, was going for in 2016. Someone has to fight Rita Repulsa, I guess. And he called me a maximalist. I was wearing a t-shirt, jeans, and a pair of Chuck Taylors at the time. Me. A maximalist. Because you're American. Is that why? Like, was there a reason given besides that? No, no, we were. So he was basically sitting at the table behind where I was uh, while watching a rehearsal in Stockholm. And at the time, you know, Sergio Lazarev, You Are the Only One was really one of the front runners. And I. The front runner at that point. It was, it was, yeah, the, like, the, the front runner at the time. And so I, I turn around. I'm like, I got nothing to lose. I turn around and say something to the effect of, you know, guys, if, if we are in Russia next year, could you please make sure that it's somewhere that it's easy to access please don't put it in vladivostok or anything like that you know because there are rumors oh yeah they'll put it in sochi and i'm like that's a pain to get to it's like you know just saint petersburg would be lovely and he's like oh okay okay so where are you from and so he's like, i'm from the united states and he's like, ah do you think that america should be in eurovision i'm like no not really but i'd love to see you know maybe you know years in the future you know the top five eurovision acts going up against the top five you know, if there was a Pan-American song contest and versus a Pan-African song contest, I'd love to see a, something like that happen. And he looks at me and goes, Americans, such maximalists. And I'm like, dude, your country just invaded Crimea. Shut up. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Yeah, yeah, really I was going to say, you said you had nothing to lose. I think if you... No, I, I would have had very much something to lose at the time. Yeah, I think even Sweden would have tolerated that. You're like, dude... <laughs> Really? And this, was, and this was before his, how long was that three hour sugar debut live show yes. that he did? That's that's oh one of my God. least favorite moments in my history of covering this contest was sitting through that. Yeah. I, it was pure, pure misery. Uh, <laughs> and like the song, I, we may have different differing opinions on this. I think Danny likes it more than Danny likes it a lot. Uh, but at the end, I was like, oh, and the song is bad. So like what I I now I sat through two hours for that. Oh my god! If like beautiful mess had been the end, like that would have been a little better. At least now I can look at sugar and smile and laugh at the pure craziness and camp of it. And I'm reminded of it. And I've mentioned this on my personal, you know, social media. Every first Wednesday of the month here in Minnesota, where we have our tornado test drill siren go off, and it's just like a minute long of just ah. I can't help but think of Natalia Gordienko. They, they do sound surprisingly similar. It's it's it's, it's the exact uh, same key. I swear. Sugar. Well, on that note, everybody, <laughs> I think we are just going to start prepping for our next journeys to to Eurovision. Uh, you know, we know that we'll be in Malmo. We're keeping our eyes on what is going to be available in terms of accommodation. It's early days yet. I know that people are looking as well. If you are looking and not finding anything. Take a deep breath. It is still very, very early days. Hotel blocks are a thing that happens until, you know, we figure out how many delegations are going, how many rooms are going to need. Things will be released. People will cancel hotel rooms. More things will be made available. Take a deep breath. Just because there's no inventory now doesn't mean it's not going to be available later. We got our killer Liverpool apartment only about like a month before we got to Liverpool because yep. we had a last minute cancellation. Yep. Things Just, will be okay. Yeah. Uh, we Our place was amazing and absolutely immaculately located. And, oh, yes. And yeah, we got it a month out. Like stuff's going to open up. It's it's 
like just just keep your eyes peeled and mm-hmm. and and you'll get something cool. Yeah. And more incredible memories will be made and foods will be eaten. Oh man, I'm going to have so many meatballs. Yes. How many times do you have meatballs in uh, Stockholm? At least five. Uh, two or, yeah, two or three times. Are there just like yeah. like 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 a chippy in the UK? Are there just like meatball stands, like meatball places in in Sweden? I wouldn't not, say there is divey. Yeah, not as well, much. There's more like I, I I can't speak for Malmo, but in Stockholm there were like hot dog carts, but like hot dogs with things like shrimp salad as a topping, like a lot of street food kind of stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah, if you like shrimp salad, you're gonna love Sweden. Oh, a lot of seafood. Goody. A lot of seafood. Makes sense, though. I do like seafood. Anyway, I'm going to steal my stomach over the next couple of months. You know what? You know, Japan will basically just be me prepping for Sweden, won't it? Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't go that far. No, it won't be. But it's going to be brilliant either way. And you at home, thank you so much for joining us on for this ride. Again, reach out to us on all the standard social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Threads, Instagram, YouTube. Find us at 12PointsUSA. Email us directly at 12PointsOfAmerica at gmail.com. Tell us if you've been to a Eurovision in person. Tell us a crazy story. Engage with us. We'd love to hear your stories about, about being on site. Uh, if you happen to have been at that random movie theater turned ping pong parlor in Baku. Um, let me know just to make sure that I haven't dreamed that place up in some sort of crazy Azerbaijani hallucination. Um, I'm still not sure if that actually happened. But until then, everybody, we'll see you next time. I've been Samantha. I've been Derek. I've been Eric. And Danny is somewhere in the distance. He sends his love, I'm sure. Hi, Danny. In America, stop listening. Stop now. Danny now. Hey.